Well, this morning I don't have to do a whole lot of preaching because baptisms really preach themselves, don't they? They really give a, a great picture, a great illustration of what the Lord has done. It's just such power and, and, and witness to the work of Jesus in, in baptism. But I, I do want to first give you just an understanding of baptism to make sure we're, 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 we're understanding of that. And then we're going to hear some stories about what God has done in the lives of people. And so in Matthew chapter 28, and we'll put it on the screen for you here, this is what we as Christians call uh, the Great Commission. And Jesus gives his, his mission to his followers. He says, here's what I want. Uh, Here's what we should be seeking to do with our lives. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing those disciples in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so here's what we see in this this, uh, command to Christians. We hear that that we are called as Christians to be about the business of, of making disciples of Jesus. And then what we do is once they begin following Jesus and they are disciples, then we baptize those disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Trinity. And then it goes on and it says we're to to hang in there with them through their journey because they're not going to be perfect and they don't understand everything that there is to know about the Christian faith and how to live a life of walking with and honoring God. And so we hang in there with them and we teach them to observe the commands of the Lord. And so the people who are being baptized today have uh, given their lives to Jesus, and now they're being obedient to Jesus, and they're displaying to you what he has done in their hearts and what he can do as well in, in your hearts. And so I want to read you another passage of Scripture. This is uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4, and this, this passage explains baptism well. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so here's what this passage will tell us. And this passage tells us that when a person is baptized, they are identifying themselves with the picture of baptism, which is the the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And and Scripture tells us that, that we have all sinned, We've all turned our backs on God, and we've all said that I'm going to go my own way and do my own thing. The Bible then says that the result of turning and disconnecting yourself from the giver of life is death. The wages of sin is death. But for those who are being baptized, they are saying that I am receiving Jesus' death in place of my death. That he has died, but he defeated death, and he resurrects to life, and he offers me new and eternal life as well. And so baptism is a picture of what Jesus has done. Going under represents his death and coming up represents his resurrection and going under represents our death to being the lord of our own lives and our sin and coming up represents new life that is found in Christ. I know when I when I perform weddings I'm reminded uh, right, I often will remind the couple that the, the wedding ring that they're placing on each other's fingers after making the vow is a picture uh, of the permanence uh, of marriage. And similarly, baptism is, is a picture of what God has already done in their hearts. If you pay careful attention to the wedding ceremony, placing a ring on a finger doesn't make anybody married. I remember as a, as a young kid when we would you know, we'd play around with things, and I remember putting a, a ring on somebody's finger and say, oh, you're married. No, they're not married. It's just a picture of the vows that you may take later on. And similarly, baptism is a picture of what's going on in, in people's hearts, what has already taken place. I get a, I get a real kick out of newlywed or newly engaged girls 
Have you ever noticed how when they're, they're, they're newly engaged, how they like to strategically position their, their left hand in a way that everybody can see the rock? Or when they're at church, they'll, they'll put it in such a way where the light will hit it and fracture off and, and glow all over the place. I love that. Or when they, you know, when they take pictures, you know, the very awkward engagement photos where her hand is on his, you know, shoulder or something. And I love those things. I love those things a ton. But it, what it's saying is they're excited, right? They're excited. They're saying, I got me a man, and he loves me, and he bought me a rock, and we're getting married, and we are together forever. And that's what this crew is doing today. They're, they're saying, I want the world to know that Jesus is my Savior and that he loves me, and I love him, and he's died for me. He's paid the price for my sin, and it is my heart to be with him forever. Another thing you'll notice about newly engaged couples is they love to tell the story, don't they? They just love to tell the story, and everybody gets around, and the girls get giddy, and tell me what happened, and they're oohing and on, and, and they're all excited together. And then for those who are yet to be married, they're dreaming of the day that that will be my story, right? I'm so excited to hear that, and, and maybe that will be my story. Someday I'll have a man, and I'll have a, have a ring. And, and, you know, it's similar with baptism, is that behind every baptism is a story of, of somebody whose life was, was changed by Jesus. And, and so uh, these guys are going to get to share their, their story. And and, and when they share their story and, and then are baptized, I would encourage you, just like those, those giddy girls, when they come out of that water, let's clap and let's cheer and let's just praise God for, for, for the great story of life change that he has done in the hearts of, of the people that are here. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to celebrate together and we're going to hear some baptisms and then we're going to um, maybe just continue on in, in singing together. So let me do this. Let me just say one more word of prayer and lift up our time together, and then we'll enter into our our time of baptism. So would you join me, and let's pray. God, we just commit our time to you. God, I pray that in everything that takes place in this time, that you would be honored, because it is you who, who has done the work. No man can save themselves, but you've come into human history and lived the life we couldn't live perfectly and died the death that we deserve in our place. We're so grateful for that. God, thank you for these in this room who have placed faith in Jesus. They trusted in Jesus, not in themselves, but in what he has done for them. I pray that this would be a time of of great celebration for them. Lord, would you calm their nerves as they get up and, and share their testimonies? And as we hear these stories, would we... Just envision ourselves in those stories, that you could do that in our lives. You want to change us, that you have died for us, that you've given us life, should we trust in you. And so God, we just commit our time to you, and I pray that these baptisms would just preach well the message of Jesus. And so we commit them to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our first baptism is Heidi Bravo, and so I'm going to invite Heidi to, to come on up here. Heidi asked if I would read her testimony for her, and I'm happy to do that. My name is Heidi Bravo. I grew up in Jamaica Plain, and I have lived in Boston my whole life. I grew up in a home with two abusive parents who both suffered from mental illness. My mother was often in and out of mental hospitals, and I lived most of my childhood in fear. I grew up in church and knew who God was, and he was the one I would talk to to get me through it because no one else knew. 
I got married when I was 22 and found myself in another abusive relationship. God did bring something wonderful out of it, though, my son, John Paul. After my son was born, I took on a part-time job and wasn't able to attend church anymore. I decided to leave my husband, for safety reasons, around John Paul's third birthday. I was on my own for the next 20 years, just focusing on my work and paying off the home that I had bought. In 2003, I met my husband, Jonas. He was different than any other man I had ever met. And to make a long story short, we got married on October 3rd, 2005. Last summer, we heard about Charles River Church and came to the movies in the park. I decided that I would come check out the church. I've always felt like I don't fit in and that I don't belong. But after coming to CRC for a few months, I felt that it was a place that I could call home. Deborah, in particular, was so instrumental in making me feel safe and understood. I started to realize that even though my past was so hurtful, that God could turn my life into something beautiful. Like I said, I've always believed in God and what Jesus has done for me on the cross. Since coming to CRC, I've really come to understand the gospel better, and I want to live for God and share his love with everyone around me. I'm a very shy person, but I have always found joy in helping other people. My favorite verse has always been John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If you truly believe in God and what Jesus has done for you, if only for him, there is a place for you in heaven. Since I've been following the Lord, I've been trying to see God in everything. I rely on him to get me through the challenges that I still face with fibromyalgia and lasting effects from a stroke that I had. Some days are very challenging, but I'm thankful that God is with me. I'm always quick to give God credit for being there by my side. Step over in here, okay? Heidi, so good to be here with you. Good to be here. <laughs> Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Is it the desire and the intent of your heart to follow him all the days of your life? And based upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For we are buried with him in baptism and raised to walk new life in Christ. Next up is Davis Murphy. I grew up going to Catholic Church as a kid, but I stopped going before I was really able to understand the message for myself. Growing up, I never considered myself a bad person. I figured that compared to some other people out there, that I was looking pretty good, and I didn't have to worry about getting into heaven if there even was such a place. At this point, God was nothing more to me than an afterthought, an antiquated idea used in the past to explain things that couldn't be explained. While in college, I met the girl who would later become my girlfriend, Rachel. She was just starting her own faith, her own journey in faith. We had many discussions and sometimes arguments about God and Jesus and Christianity. While I didn't necessarily agree at the time with things that she said, I was starting to finally think about what I did believe. I was open to learning more and having discussions about Christianity, so I met with some of the leadership of UMass Crew which is a campus ministry. 
The problem was I am extremely stubborn and preferred to argue. So I met each idea with opposition, arguing just for the sake of argument. I was n it was not until the summer between my junior and senior years when I was finally alone and had ample time to reflect on everything I had learned and been told. I was able to get away from feeling as though some, sometimes ideas were being thrust upon me. I began to read through the Bible and really started to understand the gospel. It wasn't some notion of being really good and you'll get into heaven. None of us will ever be good enough to do that on our own. Instead, it was about placing faith in Jesus, which is the only means of salvation. I can't really point to a specific moment when I came to faith. It was instead a collection of moments of, realiz of realization leading me on the path I'm on today. Since trusting in Jesus, I've stumbled along my journey countless times. I'm still not perfect by any means, but that's kind of the point. I never will be. Jesus died for our sins so that I wouldn't have to try to reach an unobtainable goal of perfection. And by placing faith in him, I am able to receive the benefit of his sacrifice, washing away my sins. I still strive to be better, not so that I can be good enough to be saved, but so I can be more like Christ, knowing I already am saved. Uh, and I'd just like to finish with a short passage from Romans 3, 21 to 28. Uh, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is, Christ, that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what, are bec then what becomes of our boasting is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Davis, have you placed faith alone in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Yes. Is it the desire and intent of your heart to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Based upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For we're buried with him in baptism and raised to walk a new life in Christ. Up next are Scott and Kara Trombley. They're newlyweds here. And in their premarital counseling, I told them that you, you start to look alike the older you get. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just happens that way. I'll let Kara read her testimony first. My walk in the Christian faith has been an ongoing journey. In the past few years, I have had a much more personal relationship with God than ever before. I grew up in Christian faith, attending church on Sundays, praying before meals, going to youth group and Christian camp. At the age of 12, I took my confirmation at the United Methodist Church in Grays Lake, Illinois. Confirmation, similar to baptism, is a public profession and decision to walk with the Lord 
only it does not involve an actual baptism immersion in water. If I'm being honest with myself, I have not always made my faith my number one priority. In college, I was what most people would consider the worst kind of Christian, a cherry picker. I would attend church sporadically and seldom picked up the Bible. While I believed in Christ, I did feel very distant. The reality is that I was not invested in the relationship. For example, I was in the habit of praying, but only when I needed Christ, instead of speaking to him daily. A few years outside of college, I found myself in a relationship gone sour. My boyfriend made it clear that he did not believe in God. We found ourselves in constant battle about Christianity and realized it would be impossible to move forward in our relationship. He would spend time reading books like The God Delusion, while I would spend time reading Timothy Keller's The Reason for God, among others. It was at this point that I realized that although I considered myself a Christian, I knew very little. I wanted to have the answers so that I could adequately present my case for God and for Christianity, but I realized I was unable to articulate how I felt. One day at the Boston Public Library, a book title popped out at me called Not the Religious Type. I quickly became engrossed in the book and found myself relating so much to the author. As it turned out, the author was a pastor of a nearby church in Cambridge. This was the beginning of my journey back into a personal relationship with Christ. I began to go to church more regular, re regularly, and my desire to learn more and equip myself with answers deepened. Looking back now, I believe this was simply God tugging at my heart, asking me to get to know him better. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lead not on your own understanding. The scripture reiterates that God wants all of our hearts, not only a portion, as I often felt I had given in the past. When I began investing in my relationship with Christ through prayer, fellowship, and studying the Bible, I began to see tangible results. In the past two years, while my relationship with Christ has grown deeper, I have been blessed a thousand times over. Walking into Charles River Church last April was not a coincidence. It was merely another one of God's ploys to tug at my heart. Only this time, he would tug at Scott's, too. Our first visit to CRC was a sermon on marriage, which was very fitting since we were engaged at the time. We were taken with the sermon and the people that we met. We would find ourselves returning week after week, and soon thereafter, we found ourselves participating in the marriage course led by Josh. Through the course, we were able to study the purpose of marriage and understand the importance of having a God-centered marriage. In October of last year, we were married by Josh, and this November, Scott and I will be celebrating the birth of our first child. Sharing this moment with my husband, thank you, <laughs> is an answered prayer of mine and only confirms to me God's grace and the power of prayer. Good morning. People say God worked in mysterious ways, and I can certainly attest to that. Growing up, I could count on, the num on, count on two hands the number of times I stepped foot into a church. Most of those times occurred during holidays or the lost, uh, loss of a loved one. I can still vividly remember the feeling when I got when I would sit in a pew, look around at the art, and hear the priest talk about the story of Jesus. Ignorance, self-consciousness, and a feeling of isolation would describe my demeanor on those few occasions. The thought of believing in any sort of religion was foreign to me and just didn't seem logical. 
The idea of believing in a Messiah who walked on earth 2,000 years ago and was perfect in every way seemed too far-fetched and fairy tale like for me to grasp. On the other hand, the idea that humans could evolve over thousands of years to the people that they are now just seemed more reasonable. Even after I met my wife, Kara, then my girlfriend, and started to attend church more regularly, the same feelings would come over me every time I stepped foot into the church. I was, atten I was attending simply to make her happy and to spend more time with her. The real tipping point was after I received a phone call from my brother who informed me that his four-year-old son had stated the following, we are all safe because we have Jesus, except for Uncle Scott, he is dead. I was speechless to say the least. It took everything I had not to break down in tears right then and there on, over the phone. How could a four-year-old comprehend not only the idea of Jesus saving us, but also the, con the concept of death? Needless to say, this made me reconsider my view upon religion. <laughs> Fast forward two years. I had proposed to my fiance, and we had just bought a house in Roslindale. She suggested going to church down the street, going to a church down the street called Charles River Church. I can't say the uneasy feeling left as soon as I walked in the front doors, but it wasn't long after that I felt completely at ease. For the first time in my life, I was in a church where I felt comfortable and where I could learn at my own pace. After numerous conversations with Josh and during our marriage course where I asked all the obvious questions and I began to feel that I could really grab a hold of the word of Jesus, my life began to change as soon as I began praying. I felt as if I had some extra help in life, as if someone was watching over me and giving me guidance. I'm now able to understand why certain things in my life didn't go as I had expected them to. I've started to see that essentially any situation or problem that life throws at us can be answered by, reading a, by simply reading a different part of the Bible or asking for a little help from above. I still don't understand all, all of the Christian faith and have a lot more to learn, but I can honestly say that the feeling that comes over me when I draw closer to Jesus is unlike anything I've ever felt before. It's a feeling of comfort, peace, and Philippians 4-7 captures the essence of, of this feeling. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. Kara, have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation? Yes. Is it the desire and intent of your heart to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Based upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are buried with him in baptism and raised to walk a new life in Christ. Scott, have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation? Is it the desire and intent of your heart to follow him all the days of your life? It is. Well, based upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For we're buried with him in baptism, and raised to walk a new life in Christ. <laughs> and our next one up is Isaiah Wyatt. Eight years old. He moved to Boston when I was four. 
I remember that my parents wanted to move to Boston to plant a church. I was happy about that. I always wake up early with my dad and we read the Bible and talk about it together. I learned about how Jesus died on the cross for us to save us from our sins. When I was six, I prayed to God and told him that I believed what he did for us and I wanted to follow him for the rest of my life and asked him to forgive me for my sins. I still sin, but I'm learning to follow him and trust him more and more every day. I think John 3.16 is a good verse that tells you how to become a Christian. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We do not deserve for Jesus to die for us, but he showed us grace because he loves us. Now I'm trying to tell people more about Jesus and how to become a Christian. I like to pray more and read my Bible more. I want to be baptized because it shows everybody that I want to follow God for the rest of my life. Isaiah, have you placed faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Is it the desire and intent of your heart to follow him all the days of your life? Based upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in the life in Christ. Holding it together. <laughs> All right. Praise God. Well, let's take a moment to, to pray and just thank God for life change. And uh, while I'm praying, I'll invite the, the worship crew up here to, to lead us in some songs of celebration. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and who we are in you, or who we can be should we place faith in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. And God, I pray that you're turning hearts in this room even now, that it would be the desire and the intent of their heart to follow you all the days of their lives. God, thank you for life change. Thank you for how you're, you're mighty to save. Thank you that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved just by trusting in you. God, we give you glory for what you've done in the hearts and the lives of these, these people, and now your children. Yeah, we pray that you would help them to follow you all the days of their lives. Thank you that you have given them all things pertaining to life and godliness, your scripture tells us. That you've given them your spirit, you've given them your word, you've given them your church, your people, to support them. And God, I pray that they would use those gifts of you to go forward in making disciples of all nations and learning to follow you faithfully. And God, thank you that is your promise that there is nothing, nothing that we can ever do to lose our salvation, that no one can snatch us out of your hand because you've done all the work. And God, I just pray that you would help us as a church family to support these uh, men and women and children. God, we just pray that that you would help us to rally around them 
and to care for them and to walk with them in this journey called the Christian faith. We know we live in a world where it's difficult to follow Christ. So God, we just pray that you would help them to persevere in Christ. And God, as we sing some songs of celebration, we celebrate what you have done. And so be honored in this time, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.